This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Five on Three, your hockey podcast for all things puck-related here at WFUV. And it is the end to a wonderful season of hockey in the Tri-State. The Devils get eliminated by the Hurricanes. We're going to get into that. Before we do, honored to be joined by a stacked cast. We got Jack Warner, we got Colin Locker, and we have Devils fan James Burley. So I'll check in with all of you. How you guys doing? Well, I can speak for just about everyone here, being as there's only one Devils fan at the oh, table. Yeah. Yes, you can. Come. Our sincere condolences, James. <laughs> guys, but I got to admit, there, there is a little bit of uh, sick happiness in my mind at the fact that y'all got taken out by the Hurricanes, but last year, Rangers took them out in seven. Now, mm. different teams, obviously, but... A lot to be happy about for the Devils going forward. A lot of young talent there. Just wasn't your guys' year. Eventually, it's going to come, though. The question will be, from a philosophical standpoint, do you choose to lean into what you're already good at and go quicker? Or do you try and become more Hurricane-esque and find ways to clog up the opponent's neutral zone? I'm excited to be on the show. A lot to talk about elsewhere as well. And while we're on the topic of consoling Mr. Burley, James, I want to give you an apology um, a very sincere apology. Yesterday, Lou and I were in Dealey Hall at the historic Rose Hill campus. In our in our finals crunch, we wanted to have a place to watch the game, and so we found a classroom. I put the game on, and we projected it on a whiteboard. And it's we, a great viewing experience. It was by the way. it was phenomenal. But here's the one thing: a, a big mistake. I was with you saying Devils in seven. I wanted the Devils yeah. to win that game. I made a huge mistake, and that was as I was leaving my apartment. I put on a t-shirt that initially I was thinking, you know what? We're watching a hockey game. I'm just wearing a hockey shirt. That shirt happened to be a Hartford Whalers t-shirt, and I didn't realize it until oh, I was halfway man. there. So, yeah, maybe at the surface I didn't wear a Cane shirt, mm-hmm. but if you look into the history books, I basically wore a Cane shirt last night. A, so a I w- gorgeous Hartford Whalers so shirt. So it was a nice green. you're not wearing It's it right a nice now. green tie-dye. <laughs> So if you direct all of your comments towards every member today but me, I understand. I just want to let you know I'm sorry. I I, I want to forgive you. I really <laughs> do. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, the, the Whalers, they got some drip, you know. That, that, it's a really they, cool they green, It was cool. It's a cool shirt. And, you know, that W in the tail, phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. I can't blame you. And I'll, I'll give the – while we're talking about the Hurricanes and their history, I'll give them a lot of credit. They're a terrific hockey team. Structurally – I don't think anybody else compares to them in the, in this league, even without three of their best forwards uh, injured. And they, uh, fair and square, took the Devils to school and showed them what a little experience, a little class on the ice can do for you in the playoffs. And, yeah, the Devils deservedly go home in the second round. And I say deservedly because they were very much second best to Carolina in that series. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a few few minutes to get over that for me, you know what I'm saying? Well, I think back to last episode, like, let's completely dive in here. I think we all said, we all had the Devils going in seven. over the Canes. I think it was, all right, it was all Devils in seven. Was not how this series turned out. I think that's kind of been the way a lot of these playoffs have gone out, where they've been an unexpected turn. But from my side, just shocked, and I think maybe it reflects a little bit more poorly on the Rangers, although I do think the Devils play better in that series than they did in this one, that... This series wasn't nearly as competitive as I thought it was going to be, especially with, I felt like, the momentum that the Devils had going in, winning four of their last five, the way they dominated that Rangers series. I I had a lot of the same 
hopes for for going into the Hurricane series for obvious reasons. We all pick the Devils, but um, the Hurricanes are just so good at playing their game, and and the Devils don't have a plan B to combat that. When the Devils aren't in control, they just they get beat, and that's why I think the games that the Rangers won, they won big. The Devils didn't until last night, until Game Five against the Hurricanes, didn't lose a game closely. They were beaten badly in all the games that they lost because they don't have a plan B when they're not controlling they're not controlling the pace they're not getting up and down north south and they're playing east west they're losing and they're losing badly and giving up a lot of goals real quick and that's what happened with the hurricanes they scored goals in bunches in all of those games man I, the- I think i'm right you're right two only two of the devil's postseason games were decided by one goal they're yeah. both overtime games mm-hmm. it was game three against the yep. rangers and last mm-hmm. night every, yeah every game man. and the weird thing about the devils in this just in the playoffs this year is it seems like every win or span of wins i should say because they were obviously a lot more successful in the rangers series and the kane series but it seemed like a lot of their wins came from adjustment like they get their doors blown off in the first two games of the rangers series and then they go and play some of the, probably the best hockey that they've played in recent memory and then in the Kane series, they have two very lackluster games to open up the series. In fact, the fir- game one of that series is one of the most unwatchable hockey games I yeah. think I've ever seen. You had one shot in the first period, one shot on goal. Um, and then they go and they put up eight on the Canes in game <laughs> three. So it almost felt like a lot of their success had to come from getting humbled beforehand. Well, I think it's important, too, to remember who exactly they lost to. The Hurricanes are not slouches by any stretch of the imagination. Over the course of the regular season, in terms of five-on-five, highest Corsi 4 percentage. That matters Mm -hmm. come playoff time because it helps your ability to keep the puck in your own hands, not have it be fumbled around. Because I think going forward, this is something the Devils are going to have to consider. And I mentioned at the top of the show in that you're either going to lean into what you're already good at, which is run and gun up and down the ice, or become more hurricane-esque. Find different guys that can help you clog up the neutral zone and play the puck control battle. Someone like a team Meyer can help you do that, but you need more guys like that because players like Jack Hughes, for as good as they are, they're not those hurricane-type players up and down the roster. And as for those hurricanes, imagine what they would be if Taravainen <laughs> was healthy, if someone like a Spechnikov was healthy. If you look at what they have right now at that top forward positions, Aho. No sin, Jarvis. All those guys are great, mm-hmm. but it's not what they were even meant to be. So if I'm looking at the East right now, I'm very scared of the Hurricanes. If I'm going to be playing them, if I'm looking at a cup bid, potentially like a team like Edmonton should be terrified of playing the Hurricanes because Edmonton is just a souped-up version of what the Devils are. I want to get up and down the ice. I was terrified of the Hurricanes coming into this season because I think you're always scared of their system, but then you finally felt like this was the first year that they went on and they got star power, they got Brett Burns, they got Max Pacioretty, who's also hurt. Like, You can make a case they're down three of their top six forwards, I think, very easily. And the fact, that, right, they're still, the fact that they're still playing like this, and I think something you both kind of touched on, it's I think the Hurricanes are the worst possible matchup for the Devils, the same way that I think the Devils might have been the worst possible matchup for the Rangers, yeah. where the Hurricanes can match the Devils' speed, but they can also slow them down in the neutral zone with the way that they forecheck. I think that's a really dangerous combination. I think you saw that it just kind of unraveled an inexperienced Devils team when it comes to postseason play. You play the Hurricanes in the best-of-seven series, and those weaknesses immediately get exploited. And they just didn't have an answer for it, and they had it in Game 3 because they scored early and scored again. So it, it wasn't that they had to fall behind and claw their way back. They opened the middle of the ice, they played below the dots, and they kept it that way. They didn't really give the Hurricanes a foot into the door until they scored, what, like three shorthanded goals in a row on the same penalty kill or whatever that was. But that was too late in the game for it to have mattered. 
And you said the same thing about the Rangers being matched up for the Hurricanes. You look at the guys contributing for the Hurricanes right now, even with the players they're missing. Structurally, they're so good that they can still rely on getting points out of Jordan Martinuk when he's forced into the top six. He had nine points that series. Nine. It's crazy. He had zero points in the entire series with the Islanders. They were trying to wave him in October. You push him up, play him around guys like Ajo, Seth Jarvis, he's going to produce. They had him on the power play, for, for Christ's sake. He, he was, it was, I couldn't believe it. But then you add guys like Tara Vinen next to Marty Natchez, and the, the, the lot of the posts that they hit start becoming goals. And that's scary for when Tara Vinen comes back because he was skating with the Hurricanes in practice right. in non-contact gear. They're going to have a lot of days off potentially if uh, the West series continue to go 2-2, two 3-3. And, two, three and, three. and, well, the Panthers, presumably the Panthers or Leafs, we don't know. I'm guessing the Panthers will also have some time off potentially. We'll see how that goes. Right. Uh, maybe I'm teasing my prediction in that series a bit too early <laughs> um, if I haven't made it obvious already. But anyway, I, I, I do not think that the Devils, like, they they just got outclassed in a way that, for me, it's still demoralizing because it happened last night. But I know everything's going to be okay. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is, you know, we can say all this about how they got outclassed by the Hurricanes. They were very much in last night's game. I think last yeah. night is a game that can go either way and a lot of missed opportunities for both sides. I will say I don't think that the, the Timo Meyer miss is as bad as Ryan Strom's miss last year, but I think it's Probably in the not. same boat where Devil fans are going to be thinking about that miss for a while. You had the wide open net, just misses left. Or, or if we get out of, if we get out of the first period in game four, one nothing and not 1-1. Changes everything, right? But you know, it is what it is. Let's talk about another team. <laughs> no, let, let, I think I think let, let's let's keep it here because I think the Devils are in. I'd like to go back, like a little bit back to last night's game and like, I'm I'm trying. What happens if they win this game? Do you think they're able to four seven? Do you think it's still not enough? Hey, I, I think that they they play the exact same way in Game Five mm. that they would in Game Six. It's just you know, balls to the walls, everything you got type of hockey like. And that's what they were doing. They were they were outplayed for like forty five minutes of that game last night, at least. And they just stuck with the plan. They stuck with digging out of the corners. They got two really like not not like incredibly um, flashy goals. Two very much work hard dig them out type goals. You saw Darson Mercer's cut to the net on that first one. He start started in his, behind his own blue line and had to get all the way there. Full sprint the entire way. There was playoff hockey. I think they give the Hurricanes a really close game in Game Six. If they win that, they do the same in Seven. I think. I think had they won Game Four, or had they won Game Five, you're seeing a lot of those types of really close down to the wire hockey because we hadn't seen that until the pressure of being eliminated was on. And the same thing went for even in the Ranger series. Those games, even though they were still wide open in the end, felt a little tighter than Games One through Four in a way. I, I don't know. Um, I'm just I'm just excited. I don't want to get lost in the fact that the way that they lost in round two was really really sucky, but because the future is so bright, this off season is going to be weird. Because I don't even know like what do players you, do are going to come and go. Do you want to talk about the off season? Because you have a couple unrestricted free agents, and you have a lot of restricted free yeah. agents. That if they don't come back, this team looks very different next year. For RFAs, we're looking at like McLeod, Bastion. I think Bratz in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And then I think you go down, Severson's unrestricted. I think Graves is un- unrestricted. Hall yeah. is unrestricted. Tomas Tatar is unrestricted. Like, there's a lot of guys that could come and go that you say goodbye to some of the depth in this team. It's a little bit of a different look. I'm curious. I assume that they bring 
back Bratton. A lot, a lot of the guys that we just mentioned, I think McLeod's a great fit for them. But, yeah. I mean, I think you'd be a little bit closer to the situation than we are. I think McLeod's playoff performance, we'll start there because, you know, we all watched mm. the playoffs pretty closely. I think he played his way into a contract for sure. He, he, he saved terrific. he saved the game at one point where Schmid, when he yeah. turned over the mm-hmm. puck behind the net, wide open net for the yeah. Canes, and McLeod comes out of nowhere to he, knock that puck He away. was terrific. People forget he was a first-round pick. He, he was terrific on both sides of the game offense defensively and his face-off contribution is so valuable i think he makes somewhere in the range two to three million for for for, for many years at, at a minimum because mm. he he really he's a fourth liner who played his way into into top six minutes in the playoffs so he was terrific guy like nathan bashan i think similarly not too many guys on the devils have his profile he's gonna get another contract um and then you go to guys like eric halla tomas tatar you know the supplemental guys of the roster i think halla really fit the need for this team as well in a similar way of McLeod. I think they re-signed him. Tatar ghosted in the playoffs except for that Game 7 goal. Um, I loved his play in the season. He was like fourth in the league in plus-minus or something, and he had 40 points, 20 goals, 40-ish points. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like love having guys like that who have been on a number of teams, been in the playoffs before, in the Devils locker room specifically. I hope a guy like Tatar sticks around, but I see them moving on from him. The defense... There's so many young D prospects. Luke Hughes is going to be a fixture. Seaman Nemich is probably going to be a fixture. Um, the list goes on. I haven't even gotten to the Russian guys that they have because there's, there's, there's <laughs> several of them. Um, so Graves and Severson are probably going to go. I will miss Damon Severson a lot. Mm, he's good. Longest, longest tenured devil at the moment. I was at his first ever preseason wow. game. Um, interviewing him was probably like the biggest shell shock moment of uh, beat reporting so far. Uh, in my WFUV career, so that 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 would that's going to be sad, but I can't see him sticking in New Jersey after this year. Is it goodbye for Timo Meyer too? He's a restricted free agent. I think. Well, the Devils are going to have like thirty million. In, right, in they have a lot. Of ca- <laughs> you have a lot of contracts, but you so, have a lot of cap space. Is he is he someone you prioritize bringing back? To, he balled out around. You right. have to prioritize Timo Meyer for the reasons Colin said because right. he, he's the type of guy who can open the neutral zone and and play, dig into the corners, hard hitting hockey. He joined the Devils and was instantly there. Uh, hits leader, and then they got Curtis Lazar, and he went second. So there was clearly a reason they got him. Also, I think that top line is going to get reshuffled, obviously, yeah. depending on what you choose to do with Brat. But they were not very good in this series specifically against Carolina. I was disappointed by Andre Pilat. I don't know how you feel Pilot about his was, play yeah, in I, this series, but it, it I, was not what I come to expect from a player of his caliber. I think the the entire group of, of your second echelon of, of goal scorers, with the exception of Dawson Mercer and Mikey McLeod were all pretty disappointing in the second round for the Devils. Um, and even and I'll end on Jesper Bratt because I am appalled by Devils Twitter for how quickly people are willing to move on from Jesper mm. Bratt. He was a point-per-game player, um, and he has been probably the consistently, over the last few years, consistently the best Devils forward. Like, in terms of production... Take away Jack Hughes' injury in 2022, and maybe that's not the case. But for the past three seasons, Jesper Brad has been the most reliable goal-scoring player for the New Jersey Devils. To to be willing to move on from him when he's still early in his career and probably won't even be that expensive. He's not going to ask for $9 million after the playoffs that he just had. He's going to come in. I can't see him going for more than 8 And if he goes for less than 8 I say you get him. He's a fan favorite. you got to keep those guys around. The tight-knit group that the Devils have – all around the same age is so valuable. You can't give that up. Jesper Bratt's a big part of that. And I think you can get Jesper Bratt and Timo Meyer with enough structure around this team if you let enough of the guys like Tatar, Severson, and Graves go. 
So I think they keep Halla, Brat, and Meyer. And I think that is should be the goal. I also think you need a Tatar-like player if yes. you're going to move on from him. Yeah. Because like we're talking about with Meyer, it's the same kind of thing where he can get you cheap points. He can open up the neutral zone when you're on offense and close it up when you're on defense. So I think you need those type of guys with where this team is headed. The other thing they could do too is just completely go towards the direction of we're going to run and gun. Just straight like Edmonton, youth. Which yeah. I, I don't know how well it's going to work in the East the way it's structured right now. If they were a Western Conference team, I think we're having a different go conversation. For it. I think the West, I think it's not even a question. They they go full in on the youth like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it it's starting to come to fruition in that regard in, in the Oilers where they really prioritize just bolstering the high end of the attack at all costs, and, and that's what they protect. I think the Devils should do that, but because they have so many young uh, defensemen coming through the ranks that are going to be cheap for the next three years at least. Um, they have that in their back pocket where they can say, we have all these defensemen that are young and coming up that we can spend so much on the front end, and I think that's what they should do. Uh, I will Throw say, the I, bag to Brat. This is a special year for the Eastern Conference. I think you're going to see the East not be as stacked as it was in years to come. Like I think Boston's reign is coming to an end. I think you're seeing Pittsburgh on a downward trend. Washington's already on the downward trend. I think you'll start to see Tampa fall off too. So I think, listen, the Metro is still going to be pretty pretty tight. I think for the next oh, yeah. few years with where the Rangers are, where the Canes are, interesting to see with the Islanders what happens to them the next couple of years. But I think if the Devils can keep this core together, this one year turnaround was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's a lot of conversation out there about season. if this year was a failure or not. It's not. This year was fantastic Absolutely for the Devils. Absolutely not. And they're going to be really good for a really long time. This season was a surprise like you wouldn't believe i before the season i had the devils around 93 94 points maybe sneak into a wild card Mm -hmm. 112 franchise record 52 wins franchise record 49 points swing from last year nhl record i couldn't have asked for a better season as a reporter for one and couldn't have asked for a better season as a fan it was unbelievable um beating the rangers i will say it sure makes up for losing in the second round it was that good of a feeling and I will get over it because I have that rent for my back pocket. You call me, <laughs> hey, and I know you are so sad. I th- you are sad. And no, no, no. I threw, I threw that I'm up sad to slam boy. it. You know, I, I, that was the alley oop, and there was the dunk. You know, that's what I'm saying. Um, so call nice call me, call me the little brother, man. So, I've been so it, nice. I, I know, I know, I know. I and I've been nice too, guys. I know. Don't forget. No, listen, you were very, you were very kind to me when the Rangers lost. Mm-hmm. I've returned the favor, so I'll, I'll let you have that one. That was really funny. But yeah. James, let me pose you one more question. I know with the playoffs, you're working with a pretty small sample size, mm-hmm. but one of the more interesting points of this entire playoff run for the Devils was the back and forth between yep. Schmidt and Vanacek. Do you think that that poses any questions going into the regular season next year? I think it it's it is the question, and I think um, a lot Devils fans are some are asking investment for a permanent goalie. I don't think that would be worth it yet. I think you you sit and wait, see what Akira Schmid can become. Um, I think you probably lean in with Vanacek and Schmid the way you started this year with Vanacek and Blackwood because Blackwood is a free agent at the end of the year. He's gone. That's pretty yeah, guaranteed. As much as I like Mackenzie Blackwood, I'm sorry, man. He's a, he's out. And uh, Schmidt played his way into potentially starting next year. I think he gets probably 50 games next year. And Vanacek, you know, gets a similar deal than he had in Washington where he's like can kind of start with Samsonov, can kind of not. And I think that's a good system going forward. And if that doesn't pan out, then you go and get a goaltender. A lot of people are asking for Connor Hellebuck, who's also going to be a free agent. That'd be, that would be that would be a, a big signing. Be man. A big, That's a that'd big. be a big splash, and I wouldn't do that yet. And I also I have I have my doubts about Connor Hellebuck holding up in a new system. So mm-hmm. we'll see. 
goaltending has been so spotty in the playoffs so yeah. far, if you really yeah. think about it. You have Boston who practically – I won't blame it all. I mentioned this on the last episode. I'm not going to blame it all on that, but – Boston basically goaltended their way out of out of the it's, playoffs. It's fair to blame it was, a lot of it on. You, I mean, yeah. Omar gave up under two goals a game yep. during the year, and then you got him and Swayman both. I would say blowing it. Yeah, you, I think they put Swayman in a tough spot. Oh, they, they absolutely they put, put him in too late. Oh my god, they put him in seven. way too late. But then think about this: then you have the switch between Vanacek and Schmid on the Devils, and then on top of that, you have on. We were just talking about Carolina. You have Ranta being pulled during the Islanders series, and then and in comes Freddie. Yeah. And Fred Anderson being pulled during the Devils series. Exactly. Yeah. So it's that's what I think has been one of the interesting, and it'll tie into some we're talking well, about it, later, it, I think, it, with the high scoring and everything. Yeah, but, but it's even a good segue into like Dallas, Seattle, and Dallas takes a 3-2 lead in that series. They're poised to win that over Seattle, and I think that you've seen a lot of high scoring games there, and I've been high on Dallas, but for me it always comes down to Ottinger. Like, if, when Andre plays out of his mind, I love that Dallas team, but it was something we were talking about with Nick Palmer yesterday where it's like, is Andre getting into that overrated territory where it's like, when he's awesome, he's awesome. It's just how how consistently is he at that top level that we saw when they lost in the playoffs last year. And I you know I think that he's going to do enough for, for Dallas to get by in this series, but I'd like to open up to you guys and see quickly what you think about where Seattle is in the series. I love Seattle. And I think they have a chance because because of the high energy style that they play. Because like, they're they're like, I want to say they're like the Hurricanes because structurally they're nothing like the Hurricanes. But they're like the Hurricanes where they get a goal, they sense blood, they will get more than one. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really, really good quality to have in the playoffs, especially when you're chasing a lead because. The en- the energy of they're, they're going to be home for game six, right? Yep. Yeah. So I think they win that game. The yeah, I think they win that game for sure. I th- there's no way they're going to go down like that in front of that crowd. Just the way that that team is made up. I, Man, I don't that see that Seattle atmosphere has been awesome. It's it's terrific. The it, way that they've embraced hockey, it's, and, it's and, great. And I think it's it's Vegas like in the sense that it they had immediately captured a crowd and they immediately right. found success on the ice. I mean, it took a year, but um, they also don't have to do the gimmicks with the uh, nights before the game. So I like that for <laughs> Seattle. That's really cool, guys. I love their their pregame. Making the ice look like water and having the Kraken come and break yeah, through the ice. So awesome. It's so dope. awesome. They didn't have to hire any actors for that, too. No, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> they don't have Macklemore doing like a pep rally before the game. No, <laughs> I think it would be great if Seattle won for the NHL just mm-hmm. to have another new franchise kind of ingratiating itself in a big way on a national scale. Dallas is really good. Yeah, I, Dallas, Dallas is the better team. Miro Heiskanen is a complete player Hockey in every guy. sense of the word. Hockey guy, yeah. fully. And I would like to see what he does in a potential Stanley Cup this year because I think it is wide open. More so than maybe in years past where you kind of knew you were going to get Tampa or even last year it mm. felt predestined that Colorado was going to get there one way or another. Yeah. To the point on goaltending, the way Dallas plays, the way that their guy in, in net plays right mm-hmm. now, Reminds me a lot of the old school Canadians with Carey Price, where if he's hot, the team will be all right, even with guys like Pacioretty. Like the early 2010s. Exactly. Like when the Rangers played them in the Eastern Conference. That's what it's reminding me of now, and it's a matter of just how far can you get with that, because for as good as those Canadians teams were, there were days where Carey Price was not elite. On the days he was elite, yeah, you knew you were going to get a fair fight. Yeah, I think Dallas has also enough offensive talent to get by the bad days from Andre, but I think it just... It puts them in a tough spot. Like when Andre's completely locked in, Dallas is the better team, and Dallas is going to win that game. I think it's just about how locked in is Andre. I think we bounce over to another series: Oilers Golden Knights. You know, it's funny. We saw with Pavelski coming back for the Stars, he scores four goals, and the Stars lose. 
Same thing happened for the Oilers yeah. in the beginning where Drysdale scores four goals and they lose. Now, this series is tied 2-2. They're going to play tonight, so I think that will be the big swing game. But again, I've been a guy that's very, very big on Oilers. I want to see them get to the Eastern Conference Final. I want to see, or Western Conference Final. I want to see them get to the Cup. But Game 5 always feels like the big swing game and they need it. Well, and, and what I think is going to be interesting about tonight's game is no Noah uh, Petrangelo for Vegas and no um, no Darnell Nurse for Edmonton. I think I think that works in Edmonton's favor. No, I th- no <laughs> yeah. no I think no I I think that I think that it works in Edmonton's favor. But at the same time, you, you have a pivotal defenseman on both sides yeah. that are. And again, the other reason Edmonton has a little bit of the edge is because this is not this is also not the first time that Nurse has been suspended yeah. from a playoff game. But. Um, <laughs> No, this this series to me has been my favorite one because I think it's been the least predictable. Um, and then on top of that, you've seen ups and downs where, you, uh, like you like you said, the beginning of the series was dry sidled, being literally Jesus Christ on ice, <laughs> and then the then Vegas really figuring them out later in the series. So I'm I'm really excited. For yeah, them. I didn't think Vegas would have this much fight in them in this series. I'm I'm a little surprised, but I'm pleasantly so. But I I think whoever wins this series probably represents the Western Conference in the Stanley Cup. I, and and yeah, I, I can, if, if right. you can, the team hockey that Vegas plays is, it's so disappointing when 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 the Oilers get hot in like those few stretches of the games because the Oilers do not control these games. Vegas pretty much does every time out, and they play such terrifically good north south hockey that they control the puck better than any team in the Western Conference, I think. But the Oilers are so efficient at getting pucks to the net in the right ways, and they just have the two best goal scorers in the league right now, two best players in the league right now, that you give them an inch, they're going to take it. So this series is going to go to seven, and it's going to go to the last few minutes. It's going to be a lot well, of fun. Bruce Cassidy's whole system is based on team hockey, too. Yeah, that cannot be overstated. They, they, I didn't think that... I know like last year they were kind of kicked around with injuries. I did not think that they could play prettier hockey than they did... Uh, prior to 2022 and they're doing that in the playoffs right now even though the series is even like it, it's a tough it's a tough way to pull it because i think edmonton will go through and i love the way that that edmonton play it'd be great for the sport if they how bad that. does the nhl want edmonton to oh win my they want so, the so much they, they need they need it I, we talked to don lagreca about it. it's like nhl needs Connor mcdavid to get to a stanley cup so they can market him and i also i feel snoop dog said it yeah. you, see, you see snoop said it <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Well, Snoop said it. Just, in, you know. in the he's running trying, for like, owning the Senators, like, by I'm gonna, the way. That's why. He was like, I'm trying to buy the Senators, but hockey is like marketing is so bad. You guys got this guy, McDavid, who Gretzky literally says is better than him, and he can't even can't even get his name yeah. out there. Nobody knows this guy, and he's like he's like the messy of, of I'm sure hockey. John Tortorella and the marketing team will get something yeah, together. Yeah, they'll yeah, they'll right, cook so. something up. Last, <laughs> yeah, put yeah. Torts in charge. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so entertaining. <laughs> Last series I think we need to talk about. Leafs Panthers Panthers up 3-1 again playing tonight man these Panthers they're something special I was straight up disrespectful to them this year I didn't want them in the playoffs I thought they were going to get crushed by the Bruins here they are out playing the Maple Leafs now the Leafs won they showed a little bit of fight last time out but man how special is this Panthers team I think that the Eastern Conference final they're going to it I'm, I'm with you I'm with you um, I said it last. I'm, I'm glad I was so high on the Panthers after the first round because they proved me right immediately. Mm-hmm. They those three wins. They were three confident wins too. They were all close games too. Yeah, four two three two three two, and then two one. The yeah. Leafs yeah. one. So th- these have been toe to toe games. I've still th- I still think the Leafs have not been the better team in a hockey game since like game. F- 
five of the playoffs when they had the comeback. Mm. I think they've been outplayed in every game this series, including the one that they won. I think they only outplayed the Lightning in two of those games. But I think Biz, actually, and I, and I very rarely agree with Biz on any hockey take, and I think Biz got it right when he said that the Leafs have just been opportunistic this playoffs. And that's, and that's a really good quality to have, but if you can't back that up with the performances from the entire team, and I look at the players on that blue line, does not look like an Eastern Conference final caliber defense core. And I think the Florida Panthers have that. I think Brandon Montour has been as good as he was in the first round into the second so round. Good. He's terrific. He's, He's playing crazy. like Mikhail McCarr. He's been unbelievable. And I'm I'm the biggest non-Florida Panthers Aaron Ekblad fan you will find. <laughs> I love his game so much. Sergei Bobrovsky continues to be like a piston in net. You just can't score anything on him down low unless it's a deflection. I love this Panthers team. I think they're going to the cup for the East. Do you know who's punching air right now? Who's and rightfully air? so. Claude Giroux. Oh, Who would have yeah. thought it was going to be this Panthers team that was going to make this nice little playoff yeah. run and not last year's squad <laughs> that the won the President's Trophy? trophy. <laughs> if yeah. I'm Claude Giroux, I'm West, punching man. air right now. Yeah. I mean, it would have been nice to see him on this type of a run. I think he's the kind of player that got you know, forgotten with some of those Flyers teams that just kind of dwindled. But... I like Florida to win this series. Yeah. I've never trusted Toronto, obviously, because I know my history. Sure. <laughs> but in terms of now the second round, I'm still picking Florida. They're up 3-1. I just don't think the Leafs have the constitution to make this kind of a comeback. I was happy to see them get out of the first round, but especially the way the Panthers have played to this point, and I, I have no love for the Hurricanes. Like I'm all in on the Panthers going to the Cup. Like That would be, it'd be so awesome to see. It'd be such a cool story. I think it'd be really fun for the hockey fans that have been locked in to the playoffs since round one. It would be their first Stanley Cup final appearance, too, would right? Be, right? Yeah, I know they've never won. I don't believe they've ever been to a cup final. I couldn't remember if they had. I'm thinking back. I, I, I don't. vaguely remember hearing maybe one appearance, but I don't know. Don't quote Definitely haven't won. I, I know there, there have been jokes about a round three of Hurricanes, Panthers, and how <sighs> how low those numbers would do, but I think that will be a very... I think it actually would be, be a really fun series from a hockey perspective. Hockey. I think, yeah. I think I think hockey fans would, would tune in for that Red series. on red on red. Not, no way to mix it up with the colors, guys. I, mean, <laughs> I know that's like a, a, a little bit of a... They made one a picky... They made one appearance in the Stanley Cup Finals in 96, uh, eventually mm. losing to the Colorado Avalanche. There we go. Mm. So they're 0-1. Yeah. Before we get to some some more local stuff with the Rangers, I think I want to wrap this up with. I think it's been a really weird Stanley Cup playoffs. And Jack, we were talking yesterday. You found some data that is a little revealing, and I think kind of explains the way I feel right now about some of the entertainment level of some of these series. Well, right off the bat, teams. I can't remember exactly if it was. Is it was it combined or was it? It's combined. It's combined. So the combined score between teams in every game so far this playoffs. There's been an average of 6.3 goals a game. Okay, you've seen a lot of high, like which sounds incredibly high. Um, and then I'm I'm pulling up the okay. So f- this is what I found from 2006 to 2021. Teams scored an average of 5.3 goals per game in the playoffs. Last postseason, it jumped to 6.3, and now it's up to 6.4. Mm. Through the first 66 games of these playoffs, there have been 423 goals scored. You're seeing n- not just a lot of high-scoring games, but a lot of like lopsided. lopsided games. Like for the Devils Rangers series, which I thought was going to be one of the most entertaining series that we were going to see this postseason, you got a lot of blowouts. <clears throat> you even saw that again with you know Devils Hurricanes, and you're seeing Dallas Stars has been a goal. That, there's a score that's like seven two. You're you're seeing eight four scores. 
I think it's a little bit less entertaining. Well, exactly. And then here's another one. There have already been 102 power play goals, and teams are converting at a rate of 24.2. So if that rate holds, it would be the highest in more than 40 years. And there have also been more shorthanded goals this postseason than last postseason, and we're not even like last entire postseason, and we're not even to the conference finals yet. I, I, I have a hypothesis for why this could be happening. I think it's strategically, I, I teams are approaching the series as a whole much differently than I've seen. I mean, granted, I haven't paid this close attention to the playoffs since mm. 2018 and, and 2012 before that, but <laughs> I'll let you guess why. Um, <laughs> and what I noticed this year is that the Devils-Rangers series was, the reason it, it swung those two games is because we saw t- totally different styles of play for each of them, and I think that's what's happening. Teams are learning from their mistakes in each game, one after the other, and they're overcorrecting, and they're and they're getting and teams that are losing are getting exposed for flaws. I've never seen this sort of like it's a chess match out there and each each game is seen as like a different period in a bigger game and that bigger game is the whole series. So I I feel like I feel like the approach that has gone into the playoffs this year it doesn't seem like it's just better team plays better hockey. There's there's so much more that goes into it. Like the Devils completely tried to transform the way that they played going into the Rangers series and had to revert entirely back to their system that worked uh, in the middle of the season, and I've never seen a team do that in the playoffs. And I think a lot of teams made adjustments that either did or didn't work, and were changing things like that all throughout the playoffs. I thought the Bruins kind of did that to a degree. They stopped playing like the Bruins after Game Four or Five, and maybe that wasn't by a plan, but that certainly it certainly made itself known to people who were watching. Well, and I was about to mention the Bruins because it's one thing if the games are high scoring, right? It, I know it's sometimes it's fun to see an absolute just shootout. But really the only – the problem here is blowouts. There's been multiple games here where they've been really lopsided, and it's like we don't see good games, but yet we see good series because there's enough of lopsided games where each team records their wins, and next thing you know, we're in a game seven. The really only, like, I'd argue one of the only high-scoring good games of the season was when the Panthers beat Boston 7-5. to <clears throat> I liked, <clears throat> I liked uh, when the Leafs came back down 4-1. That's right. That was a that, fun third yes, period. Yes, absolutely. But even like the first two periods of that game were lopsided, but it makes up for the third period. But you're like a lot of the lopsided, a lot of the high scoring games have been blowouts. Well, exactly. And then we had that very conversation after Game Two of Rangers Devils. If Dev, uh, if Rangers win Game Three, this is a sweep. Right. So that shows you, I guess, where on the other end of it, if at least there's a competition put by both sides, then the 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 blowouts are kind of fun. I because, don't think I've ever seen so many series where. It, like teams switch between blowing out each other. Well, it's exactly. Like it's one like, where was this the other night? It's like one team well, will win 7-2, and then the next game the other team wins 8-4. I've never seen flip-flops so dramatic. Remember now how all these teams are becoming structured, forward-heavy. Right. Like, we're not developing def- defensemen the same way we used to. We're not developing goaltending the same way we used to. And for many reasons, the NHL is very happy with this. Look at the, the best defenseman. It's, we're not highlighting the, the defensive defenseman right, anymore. You're looking Carlson. at, you want the Cole, yeah. you can't, exactly. the Cam cars. You want even the Adam Foxes. You want, you don't want Charlie McAvoy. No. That, that's, and I think the NHL I is love leaning. McAvoy. I know, he's, he's had a good game, but I was very mad with him in that series. Sure. But I think the, <laughs> the NHL is leaning into this idea that you want marketable forwards who can score the puck, and if they're going to get some 7-2, to 8-1 to one clunkers, they're okay with that because you know what? It looks pretty on the highlight reel. Like, what would you rather see? Claude Giroux, like, losing five different teeth in a defensive <laughs> grudge match? Or uh, Kael Marcar making a pretty move towards the net 
and scoring. I think that's the the price we're all going to pay. I'm I'm curious how far it escalates because you saw it in baseball where baseball prioritized the home run and we got to a point where we were juicing the baseballs (laughs) and the game got less interesting and now we've had to go back to the point where we're banning shifts and we're having to counteract all the strikeouts in the game because that's the trade-off for offense. And you just wonder if that would be the trade-off in hockey where, yes, more goals might make the game interesting, but listen, the more goals you have in a game – the less each goal matters. It's, and I think that's the cool exactly. thing about hockey is that the goals matter. Like, for the people... I once had to argue with the kid, and he's like, there's no scoring in hockey. Like, it's not as fun. It's like, no, 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 there's no. no, no. The, the excitement in hockey is the build-up to the score. Right. So my first time ever watching, like, really live hockey... Like, hockey was never a huge part of my life until I started beat reporting for the station. And we're so glad you did. Yeah, and my... <laughs> thank you. And my first... Yeah. I, I kid you not, my first NHL game... I'd never been to an NHL game in my life. My first NHL game was beat reporting. And... I never in in any other sport I've under, I've been to every other you know professional sports game that you can imagine except the MLS and there was something different about the opposing team getting close to scoring or your team getting close to scoring and people are like on the edge of their seats mm-hmm. it feels like they're about to cry like yeah. like especially that game 6 when I covered game 6 for the Islander series against Carolina every time Carolina got remotely close to scoring the place was pin pin drop silent I don't. I don't. There's think an intensity there's, that's just unmatched. I don't think there's anything close to the the jolt of excitement that you get from a goal that you can compare to anything else in a sport. Like maybe a walk off home run in baseball, but like or just a run scoring in baseball does not compare to the excitement of a goal well, scoring even, in hockey. Even the night where I filled in for the Rangers, I've been to playoff baseball games. I've been to ALCS games. I've seen very very loud sellout crowds, and I covered a regular season Rangers game, and their crowd was louder for a goal than I've heard for postseason crowds in other sports and it was regular season i think it's becoming a lot like basketball to use a cross sport reference where guys are making threes from half court it's like 126 to 113 i think that's where hockey is going but there's a good part of this for the purists such as ourselves or at least that's the vibe i'm getting eventually you're gonna need defensive players to combat all the scoring so guys like Marcus Smart and basketball are going to start to appear in hockey, defensive specialists, and you're eventually going to get goons because of that. So it's going to go up. The scoring's going to happen for the next couple of years. Eventually, though, you're going to need guys that can stop that, and then the sport will even out. These eventually. guys need these guys need yeah, a Kyle I, Rose. They need a Kyle Rose. We can, we can use <laughs> a Kyle They need an A-10 yeah. defensive player oh, of the year. Yeah. They need, need an Asian yeah. dingle. Kobe they need an Asian dingle. dingle. <laughs> yep. we'll, we'll switch back to local. The Rangers give the boot to Gerard Gallant. Uh the Rangers media and the Rangers fans were not too surprised about it. I think Glant might have been surprised based on the way he talked to the media and said, can't believe you guys are asking me if my job's on the line. Turns out it was. <laughs> Turns out he and Jury didn't go along that well this season. And, uh, I mean, I guess, are, are you guys surprised? We'll get into who they might look at for coaching options in a little bit, but are you guys surprised by this decision? I can't say that I'm surprised as a Rangers fan, and I will, I will say – I don't think that the Rangers' loss this season all falls on Gallant's shoulders. I'm not sure how much things change with a new coach, but I do feel like this is a move needed to be made, and sometimes the coach has to be the scapegoat. Lou, we talked about it on one-on-one less than a week ago, or just over a week ago now. I told you point blank I thought this was probably coming Mm -hmm. because it's not the same team that he had last year, and he didn't adjust his strategy to this new team. So when you have an older coach... And he is on the older end of things oh, sure. now. It can come off as, you know, very kind of condescending when you're talking to experienced players like Trocek, like Kane, who have been there, done that. They've had a number of successful seasons elsewhere. You can't speak to these guys the same way you speak to a Lafreniere, a Kako, guys that are trying to cut their teeth 
in the league and play a certain brand of hockey. He needed to adjust. He failed to do that. I understand why a front office perspective, you're willing to cut ties because you went out and you got guys like Trocek, Kane, Tarasenko, people that have had success. You need a coach who can work with guys like that, and they're going to have to have someone who has a track record of doing so. Right, right. Even beyond the fact that you can say the Rangers lost the most talented roster they might ever have. It's, again, the manner in which they lost, and it's, well, why did Zimanejad disappear from most of the postseason? Why was Panarin invisible? Why was Kane invisible besides the hip, right? Like, why were these guys invisible? And a lot of that falls on coaching. And when Gallant comes out with a quote that's like, it's not just about talent, it's about kind of these, like, little things. And it's like, well, part of your job as a coach is to get those little things out of your team. Yes, responsibility falls on the players, and the players are not completely free of, of blame here. But... So a lot of it falls on Glenn and the need to make adjustments. And the big complaint this postseason was Rangers didn't make any adjustments against the Devils, and it showed the way they got killed the last five games. I, I, I don't want to say that the coaching was such a big problem, though. Like if I'm if I'm looking at the way the Rangers played, I think the profile of players that they looked for to get was part of the problem. If That's you true. have if you have Vitrano and Cop instead Vitrano. of Tarasenko and and Kane, if you go that route instead of the route that they went, I I think the Rangers probably have a better chance of winning that series. And I'm and it's not to say that you you need your you need to get the answers as to why Panarin couldn't score, as to why um, Zibanejad was was only really in two games was a really big factor. I think a lot of that is because just the way the Devils played. I think the Devils system is it, it mitigates the risk from those guys. They push those guys out wide. The Rangers play in East West style. It's on the coach to figure out how to adapt to that for sure. But I, I, I just I didn't like the matchup enough to say that Gerard Gallant was the problem. But I understand the decision to get a new coach, and I think it's probably the right call moving mm-hmm. forward. You need a better look. You need a fresher face into this team, even after two seasons with, what, 106 points? Right. Right. See, I think the Trocek signing made it more East-West right. than it had to be. Yeah. Because when you get guys like Tarasenko and Kane, you want to play North-South mm-hmm. because that opens things up for Panarin, Zivanejad, Fox, guys who can run and gun. I, I was not a fan of the Trocek signing when it happened because I thought it limited their ability to get other forwards back, yep. like Vetrano and Cop. But from a more philosophical lens, it slowed you up, and it showed in a series like this where if you had someone else there that could have maybe played a little bit more free-flowing, you might have kept up with a Jersey team that was good in an offense. And, and I think that Trocek earned his minutes in that top six, though, based on the way he played base, essentially towards the end of the season. I thought right. he was really good, especially next to... Next to um, Tarasenko and Kane, when yeah. they would flow th- between his lines, and I didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought you obviously want to keep Panarin and Kane together, and they didn't do that. And I was really impressed by that, and really scared by that combo coming into the playoffs. And I didn't really see too much from them specifically outside of a couple moments. And the scary thing now, as a Rangers fan, is that the head coaching landscape, your available options right now. There's not a ton to work with. I mean, we're talking about Andrew Brunette, the Devils' assistant coach right now, talking about Peter Laviolette, who won a cup with the Canes. Thankfully, the the reports have come out that the Rangers are not interested in Joel Quenville. I don't want to get into that at all. I didn't want to have to deal with that conversation. Obviously, his resume speaks for himself, but his scandal history also speaks for itself, and that's not something that you want to get into at all. I think for the Rangers, the dream scenario is that somehow the, the Penguins fire Mike Sullivan. I think that would be probably a good call. <laughs> Run it back, you know. Um, the, you bring up Laviolette, and I, I don't think only one coach in NHL history has ever won a cup with two teams, I think. So 
if, if I'm if I'm remembering that correctly, that stat. So mm-hmm. I, I I my suggestion steer clear of Laviolette because yep. I've, I'm not not because it's like a curse or anything, but because it's genuinely that hard to be that successful with two different systems. And the Rangers have a very unique system, and because of the way that their off season's shaping up, they're gonna have to make some tougher decisions than the Devils. I think. Um, you really need to have a cohesive vision going into that off season. So I think they make the coaching hire sooner rather than later. Yeah, they have to for sure. Someone that's on my radar, not that I think he's going to get the job, but I think it'll be interesting. Daryl Sutter. Not mm. that I think he's going to get it because I think he's very gallant esque, yeah. but remember he did win with a couple of Kings teams that were quite experienced. If the Rangers wanted to go and bring back either Kane or Tarasenko and try and build a veteran roster again with an infusion of youth. I think Sutter could do that. It's just a matter of how willing is he going to be to take a more nuanced approach to his scheme because those Kings teams were a little bit like the Hurricanes at times in that they wanted to stifle you up. People like Drew Doughty on the defenseman played that brand of hockey extremely well. I I don't think he's their top choice by any stretch, but it'd be very interesting, not to mention those press conferences would be hilarious. Yeah, I think we've seen a couple reports that the Rangers aren't super interested in him, and I do think that a lot of the stuff that came out from Calgary this year kind of makes you steer clear from that with what you heard from the locker room, and I think you'd be a little reluctant to... But, you know, you have to put faith in the kids next year, especially with some of the players you're losing. I don't know if Sutter's the guy for that, but that's it's an interesting conversation. I think it's the... You get into that conversation with a lot of the veteran coaches where I f- you kind of feel like the Rangers maybe don't go with a veteran coach. The only thing that make me nervous with Sutter as a hire for the Rangers is that he has kind of had a history of coaching his teams a little more conservatively. Mm-hmm. And with the skill that you have, and especially the young skill that you have on the Rangers, I don't know how particularly well that would mesh with them. And I think the other one is they could go internal with Knobloch, who's been coaching their AHL affiliate. I, I think he's probably the favorite to get the job, if you ask me. Fans aren't going to like that. Yeah, fa- so what fans are going to do is, is this is another system pick, and it's just going to be the same old Rangers. It'd be interesting. I think it, it was really funny. It, it happened when, when David Quinn was in charge where I think Quinn got COVID and Knobloch had to step up for a couple weeks, and the Rangers started to win. And that started all these conversations about make Knobloch the head coach. and. Those haven't happened for for a while. Again, the Rangers have been pretty happy with their performance in the regular season, uh, but this postseason obviously changes things a little bit. It, it's it's really going to be interesting to see which direction the Rangers go in. I think again, you're seeing a lot of where can you find the next John Cooper? Where can you find the guy? Maybe it's maybe it's you go for someone straight out, you know, straight from. The college landscape, I think the thing that scares you is that that's what David that Quinn was. That was the David Quinn hire. And that failed horribly. And I think well, David Quinn had also the insider connection with Drury, I think, at that point as well. And yeah. that's kind of why Knobloch is tipped mm. to be a top candidate by a lot of people. Um, uh, you brought up the college ranks. I think I, I brought up the name Rand Pecknold last time mm. just because, you know, Quinnipiac, I think, get him involved. The system of promoting from within, though, has been successful recently in the NHL. You said, where's the next John Cooper? If I look for... Just to stay on Knobloch, because I, I, I think he's actually going to get it. If you look at Jay Woodcroft in, in, in Edmonton, that was a hire from within from the AHL program. This is the best team the Oilers have ever had with McDavid, if you ask me. And just the, the style of hockey. A lot of people were saying this is probably the first year you look at the Edmonton Oilers and think, if they didn't have one of Dreisaitl or McDavid, would they still make the playoffs? The answer is probably yes. I think Jay Woodcroft's system was a big part of that. And that's even from inconsistent play on their blue line. At, at many times this year they had bad stretches but not as bad so i think there is there is a precedent to be said of promoting from within 
getting good hockey off the bat in the modern game too. So I I, I like that idea. Hartford Wolfpack Rangers AHL affiliate very well this year. Right. Under Knobloch, just saying. There you have it. It's going to get slammed if they do it, though. See, I, I understand the flaws. Oh, it's, oh, it's going to get slammed, slammed for sure. Slammed. It'd be the same thing if they got Whoever an SCA. Whoever it is gets slammed. Yeah. Yeah, because I'd understand. I, I think fans fans would like me. I think fans are calling for fans are calling for Messier and Steve Valaket. I would love to see I'll, Steve Valaket. Ca- casual fans, casual fans. Yeah, casual. I would. I'll tell you what. I don't think either of those guys would be a good hires. That's I fair. Mean, and and look, there's there's precedent of former players being terrific coaches. Look at Rod Brindamore. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. There's he's been then, a great. And thing. then there's precedent of legends of the game being horrible coaches. Gretzky. Look at Wayne Gretzky. Does Mark Messier want a coach? I don't even know. Maybe. Um, but at least that would give you someone you really wanted to root. For. It would it would get him out of the and, out of the ESPN booth, which yeah. I think is good. <laughs> who, well, who 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 else have the Rangers had a coach? We talked about who was the last Rangers coach you liked. We said Tortorella. Tortorella, just but because he you liked Tortorella for to weird reasons. For like he was funny. Like I also think he did I, awful mismanagement. Would, would would Mark Messier not at least be fun to root for? I liked Vigneault when he got them to and the v- cup. Vigneault, that's about Vigneault it. Yeah, that's about it. I didn't like him after. Yeah, yeah. He had a good run. Listen, I'm, really I'm going to end this podcast with this. Islanders lost to the Hurricanes. <laughs> Devils go. lost to the Hurricanes. Rangers dominated the Hurricanes this year. That's all I'm going to say. Are you, do, I have, do I have to say it again? You could. Do I have to say you it You could again? if you wanted to. You could look like a fool. That <laughs> <laughs> was so aggressive. <laughs> Man, I thought it was just like banter. All right. I, I, I combated what he said by saying Islanders had the regular season decider over the Panthers. Mm-hmm. So they got wild card one instead of wild card two. Panthers beat the Bruins. Bruins are better than the Canes. Islanders are better than the Rangers. Well, it's, 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 an, it's, an it's one of those. It's one of those. You it's know one the, of those ones. You know right? the website the, that does that the, my team is better than your team. Love it. Oh my god. I love it. Who would uh, who would have won in a playoff series before we end this? Islanders or Rangers? Rangers. If that was a series. Rangers. 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 I, I, I will say that. Absolutely, the goaltending yeah. matchup <laughs> would have been great. It depends on, it depends on how the Rangers played the way they played against the Devils. Actually, know, yeah, really that's not. a good. point. I mean, yeah, <laughs> if you're looking at it at face value, I would say the Rangers. Yeah. But the other reason I've been so frustrated about this Devils uh, Kane series is because if for some reason the way that the Devils matched up, I said this with Lou, the way that the Devils matched up with the Canes, if all if New York was able to somehow get by Carolina in that first round, I think we would have had a really good series between New York and, and Jersey in the second round. I would have loved that. Would have been a lot of fun. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been. It's I always, always I fun. like the four host crews, but I think, I think that's gonna do it. If you take anything away from this episode, Rangers are the best team in New York, but New York hockey's done, so it doesn't matter. R.I.P. Go Panthers, go Oilers. Hockey's better in Jersey anyway. What more is there to say? That's gonna do it for five on three. This has been a production of WFEB Sports. Love you all.